G'day everyone, for those who came in late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck, and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks, the Phantom, enemies beware. The Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. G'day everyone, we are the Chronicle Chamber team and this is X-Band, the Phantom podcast. Our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can contact us via email at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes or any of the Android apps, probably where you're listening to this right now. This is episode 203 and it's been a bit of work to get it moving, but we're, we're here now. Um, today we get to chat with the great American artist Lou Manor. Uh, my name is Dan Fraser, and today I'm joined by Jermaine Parker. How are you, Jim? Yeah, not bad, mate. Uh, pretty good. Um, looking forward to tonight's or today's chat. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it is today for us, which is a bit unusual. But uh, as I said, uh, speaking to someone from uh, from across the waters over in uh, New York, Lou Manor. So thank you so much for joining us, Lou. Thank you guys for putting up for me. It's uh, it was a little technical difficulties, mostly on all my end, so I apologize for that. And thanks for joining us. And uh, people will know you from your work with uh, Moonstone and Fru, and um, you know a lot of the the prints and the various commissions you've done and that sort of thing for trading cards. And we'll we'll touch on all of this stuff as we go. But before we start to talk too much about your involvement in the Phantom, can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like? Um, if you if you're happy to, to talk about how old you are and uh, where you grew up and um, you know how you got started, well, in- yeah, I grew up in Staten Island. I still live here. Um, I grew up on the other side of the town and moved here about thirty years ago. Bought a house, and um, I've been about comic book industry pretty much all my life. I mean, I started as a fan at eight years old. By the time I was sixteen, I didn't know what I wanted to do and decided, hey, you know what this might be something I always would doodle. So I was self-taught and uh, I started to go up to DC in maybe the 1976, I think it was. And it was about a three year period where I would go up every month, show my samples to a guy named Jack Adler, who was a great production artist up there. I think he colored the first action comic number one, but he was also Howard Stern's cousin. But anyway, but he took pity on me and he would look at my work and tell me, go home and correct the, heads were bad and then i'd fix the heads and i'd go back the next month and he'd say fix the hands or fix the buildings this went on for quite a while and then one day i showed my samples to uh, dick giordano who was an editor and dave manick and i they got a phone call so i they got up and i got up and i left i took my samples i went home so my wife when i got home said where did didn't you go to dc comics today i said i did she said, well, they call looking for you. They want to give you a job. I said, yeah, get out of here. I said, you have to be kidding me. So um, I called them up. They said, yeah, come on up. Tomorrow we want to give you a script. Where'd you go? I said, well, I was so used to getting rejected that I just assumed that I was getting rejected again. And I, I left. So that night I said to myself, All right, I hope they don't give me Hawkman or Adam or Flash or some stupid. I want Batman. or you know. They gave me something. All right. They gave me a werewolf Western story to do. <laughs> I had no clue how to draw westerns or horses or anything, and uh, took it home, worked on it, brought it back. They hated it, and I said, "Go home and do it again." I did, and and then from that point on, for the next two or three years, I got mystery stories from them, little eight pager, five page, six page. But that's a great way to to learn your craft, to learn how to tell a story. And from there, I wound up becoming an assistant for Jim Janes and, and Rich Buckler. He, Jim did the Legion of Superheroes, which I worked on that, all his issues. And Rich Buckler had done a, a lot of uh, Marvel and DC stuff, uh, All-Star Squadron and the Hulk. And so I, I would lay out the books. I'd take the scripts and, and draw up the panels and draw the figures or whatever I had to do inside. And then they would clean it up and make it look more like this. And that went on for a few years. And then... And then I had gotten some independent work. I think I did um, Harrier Comics in, in London. I was one of the first American artists to do work in London. Was, they, all the British artists were coming to America, but I was doing it the opposite way. I did a book called Sunrise. And the backup feature in that Sunrise book was by this little unknown writer named Grant Morrison, who, who uh, was a you know, 
went on to become a superstar. And, uh, it, you know, it, it just progressed and progressed, and I, I never gave it up. And it's 40-some-odd years now later, and I'm still doing whatever I can do. Uh, I just finished a book called Burma Sky that's a, a 1940s kind of adventure book for um, – uh, it's supposed to be coming out shortly and I do commissions and pieces and you know if somebody's looking for a book I always try to get to keep myself busy monthly um, the Phantom was one that uh, was my, my very first sample I ever did when I was about 16 or 17 years old I remember having a friend of mine's father-in-law print me out a bunch of copies and I'd send them around to people and it was that Tom Tyler if you remember the Tom Tyler with his arms folded and that shot stuck with me. And, and and that and those George Rosen, I think it was George Wilson covers. Or I forget it. it was Wilson. Yeah. Those Phantom covers were something I never saw before. I never saw painted covers like that, comic book stuff. And and, and it looked so realistic. I didn't know that he was using models. And, I, and that I think he used the same guy who was the Doc Savage model, if I remember correctly. Okay. I, think so. I know he used himself as a model for one of his covers as well, as a bad guy about to Did hit he? the Phantom. Oh, yeah, because those covers are just beautiful. And then mm. years later, uh, I think Pete Klaus is a great guy. I'm sure you both know who he is, know him and know who he is. A great Phantom fan and sent me the last George Wilson George Wilson cover that wasn't used for that book. I mean, he sent me a copy of it, you know, and I oh, just, wow. boy, it was so nice. And um, that was really the f first reaction I had to the Phantom. And I know I saw it in newspaper strips, and because there weren't a lot of superhero uh in the newspapers at the time, seeing the Phantom was oh, a big uh, thrill for me because I had grown up with Batman and Superman and those characters. But uh, the Phantom, and who knew that so many years later I, I'd get the chance to draw him? And it's been over twenty years now, and I've, I've you know, I've done the Moonstone ones and, and the the few few ones and a couple of other things and a lot of commission pieces. And I love the character. I just love working on it. It's the kind of character you could take in any direction. You can. Bring him in. I would love to do a 1940s Phantom story, you know, the, uh, that period during the war years. I, I think Full Circle had some of that, yes. you know, World War II stuff in it. I, I, I like that period. I think those golden age for those characters, you know, the 30s and 40s were where all the foundation stuff was done, where the great pieces were done. And, of course, when Cy took over that strip, I thought he made it – he really made it great and uh, – having a chance to sit with him a couple of times at those phantom friends of the phantom lunches, which you, they do in New York once a year at Saudi's over here. And, uh, to meet all the fans from all over the world was a great thrill for me. Plus to sit with Cy and talk to him and Keith Wilson and uh, Williams. I mean, and, um, it's just, it's just a great, uh, it's like a little community, which I, I like and, and, and you get to meet people like you guys overseas. And it's, it's who knew who, I mean, I'm a kid from Staten Island. I grew up, you know, with you know people in Staten Island, they, they we don't do that kind of stuff. We don't we don't come off our little circle, you know. And this is great for me anyway. So and also mm. it breaks the anonymity because as an artist, you spend most of your time look at me cooped up in a in a studio or or somewhere, and it's very isolated. You do all this stuff on your own. You don't have a lot of interaction with people unless you're at a convention or you're working in a studio with other artists. So to have the feedback from fans and people who like the character is terrific. It motivates you to do better and more work. You know, I, 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 my regret is I'm not doing as much phantom stuff as I'd like to do. I do a lot of commission pieces when I can get the work or I can get, but this, this one more great phantom story in there for me somewhere that I'll, I'll get to eventually. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I, if I, if you want me to shut up, just no, keep talking. Point please. <laughs> At the last Friends of the Phantom luncheon, I went to. Uh, there's a Phantom fan, Pete Steven, and Jamie Diaz. They're very big Phantom fan. One is in Australia, one's in New York, and I met them at the luncheon and. We talked about a story, and Pete and Jamie said we have this Phantom story that's so controversial. You, you're not going to be able to, I don't think they're going to care. I don't think they'll want to do it. So I got interested. They sent me the script and it really was interesting and, and sort of for the times. And um, I did it on spec. I did it because I just liked the character and I liked, I liked the story. And I thought maybe, you know, it would go. they sent it over to a couple of publishers. They both thought it was too hot to handle this, this story. And I think one American publishers 
toying with the idea of publishing it when the reset when the pandemic kind of you know wanes its and uh, and they, they get a little more business but i thought i wanted to show you guys if you don't mind <laughs> this is just a, a teaser this is the first page of it and it's 122 pages can you see that's the first page somewhere in there the title page yeah and this is and this is the last page it's a really strong silhouette yeah that's why i just wanted to get a phantom of basic and there's a hundred and i can't see there's a hundred and some odd pages to go with this yeah and um someday i hope i i mean i hope they hope they see it and um who knows but but that's the latest phantom thing so and, um, without without um betraying any trust or letting the cat out of the bag or anything like that could you tell us a a, a brief one two sentences about the story like what makes it too hot to handle or it takes place in the it takes place in the jungle that's all you it takes place in the jungle and a bunch of characters in it um it's it's just um i don't know i i, I don't want to give it away because i don't yep. I, I don't i'd rather pete and uh, and and jamie say what it is because it's their story and i just drew it but uh, um it's it's, I, it's today for me it's, i don't think it's controversial but because it's the phantom character i think it might be a little controversial for the the it's not the phantom itself that's the controversy in this thing it's the characters that he's dealing with and I think uh, it's a little controversial. It would be. I, I, I think that's the impression. I don't think King would, King Features, I don't think would go for it. And uh, I knew that going in doing this. And I just thought, well, I just liked it. I just thought it was a little bit different. And uh, it gave me a chance to open up the character a little bit more as far as dynamic shots and and uh, and, and a lengthy book. It was a long, it's a long book. And I'll, I think some of the pages I'll start to trickle out there on, on the internet and, and, and put them out there just to show, because I think it's, I wanted to get it out there and it was probably some of the best phantom stuff I've done so far. Uh, and the thing about doing comic books is that you, you start out with a character, like say that's the phantom, for example, and you fumble around the first couple of issues. You, you know, the first one I did for Moonstone, I was just excited about doing the phantom and it, it, it kind of flowed out of me very easily but so sometimes that's no good yes sometimes that's yep. no good because you miss things i mean uh, i remember ben rob uh, putting up the first 10 pages and he said um, um he really uh, said i was doing a really good job on it I, I think i messed up a little bit more on the inks i think the inks were probably weaker than if somebody else had inked it the second one was inked by art nichols and the coloring was very bad on it. It was so muted and murky. You couldn't see the details. If you see the black and whites of that book, Art did a great job. And then Terry Pallett, I think, finished it up. But they, when I got those pages back and they were inked, I said, boy, he really detailed everything out that I had put down there. And it's a shame that that one, it, it, the coloring was bad. I thought when I talked to Joe that time from Moonstone, he had a problem with the printer, with the paper. And I think that was um, the reason why that didn't, I don't think that was as popular as, uh, as it could have been. I think, I think if mm. they had seen the, the pencils and the inks black and white, I think they would have liked it a lot better. I, I was disappointed in the coloring, not the colorist, but the printing was really, they printed it on almost a little bit above newsprint paper, I think. And I think the first one was printed on glossy stuff. The hut yeah. was printed on glossy. I remember reading is, it as a, this. This so what I'm showing now. If you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. This is the hunt. This is from the first story. Um, oh, this is I, I enjoyed this story a lot. I just enjoyed like the the hunt aspect and everything like that. Um, I I thought yeah. it was perhaps a bit dark in in some places, but yeah. um, I really uh, enjoyed one of the, the things story. I liked. One of the things about the Phantom that I do like, and in fact, I remember the. One of the pages that's really dark, if I remember, was the one where he's in the, um, in the ships, uh, looking at looking for the crew of the ship or whatever, and he's you see nothing but really a, a lot of silhouette and just a, a headshot and a little bit of the body, and I kind of like that with the fact that I know the newspaper strips and 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 a lot of size stuff, and is is very little shading. I mean, it's done that way because he's got that specific look. 
and and that goes back to the newspaper print days where he was in the newspaper strips and they weren't they weren't using a lot of shadows because the the, the, the they were printed so small that yeah. you would just lose the shadows it would look like one big black blob so uh, i think but in, in my mind and that's probably why maybe my version of it isn't as popular as as some of the traditional ones is because i feel like he's a phantom character he should be more dark to me i mean he smiles a lot which is great and he's not to be taken i don't think uh like a like the batman dark knight type stuff where he's so brutal and this but he should be a a, a badass kind of character he's you know he's he's in that jungle all day long mm. he should be uh you know a little bit bulkier i thought and so yeah. i try to do him that way and it's the american version of it i suppose but uh i know when dick giordano did him over there and and Paul Ryan, Paul did a great job. I, I thought he, I thought Paul's Phantom was uh, a little bit of the old ways, but a, a little bit of the newer way of doing it too. And I thought he did a great job. I thought Paul was Paul and Sai. I thought were two of the better best Phantom artists I think I've seen. Mm. Uh, it's an interesting yeah, character, are, balance, isn't it, Lou? Because, like you say, the the Phantom element, the scary, um, you know character that's supposed that, that relies on fear and superstition but you've also got this family man um smiling happy character as well yes. so it's balance to, to yeah. master now i'm looking at this on the screen what you're putting up and to me see the coloring looks better on this see it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it actually looks better i mean it's not murky and like, like yeah. the printed version yeah no the, so i remember i remember I, I know what you're talking about i've got the printed version in yeah, it's very dark. You can't have this stuff. You can't have yeah. this stuff. You can't see. You can see it here. Good. Yeah, I see, think it I was. I think it was. Um, unfortunately, it was probably the problem with the um, the Free Story one as well that you did. Yeah, is the it was one of the first times that Free ever printed in color. Yeah, color. And, yes, and I think they were still working out how to do print on that or a paper quality yeah yeah that well. color that well that color on that one was a little bit muted as well i thought yeah but it, th this one looks like a lot yeah. better yeah this one does. there's a tom tyler shot that's the yeah. Tom tyler shot right yeah. Oh, yeah so again if you're on youtube uh it is on page oh i can't tell the page on this one but it's he's in a skull it's in the skull cave and there's guran old man moz the chronicle chamber and then in the middle of that there is uh the phantom in a, in a classic um folded tom tyler style yeah um, see now it's, uh, this is the first i'm seeing of this uh, and to me it looks a lot different than the yeah. like i say the printed book and then i'm a, a, you can see the inks a little bit better and you can see that uh, it looks like it was recolored <laughs> yeah it was probably digitally recolored uh or um to be honest i can't remember where i got i got these from these scans from but um yeah it, it looks fine on here yeah much 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 better than the the original version and mm. not not because i drew it but just because it's 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 you can see it better yeah mm. that's terrific wow they like that i see i enjoyed the uh, ben's story i thought was terrific and this is tom defalco and funny thing and this business is wacky but tom gave me my first job at marvel uh oh, wow. mark grunwald mark grunwald um saw my i was with jim james that day he was dropping off some work at marvel we had done a spider-man mockingbird book and um uh, mark i was in a uh, waiting area with, with jim and mark said what are you working on i said eh, nothing right now i don't know I'm working with jimmy he said oh, come on and let's see what i got so he gave me a sample spider-man script to do and he said you know go home and do the first five pages and if we like it you know we'll do the rest and when I brought it back, I went in to see Tom, and Tom was the editor-in-chief at the time. And Tom uh, gave me the job, and I was supposed to become the regular amazing uh, Web of Spider-Man artist. Uh, and then they had to give the work to a uh, guy who was on the contract, and it was uh, Alex, I think, Alex Salvik, who was doing the Phantom as well. Oh. So he became the Web of Spider-Man artist. But, um, but then here, Tom wrote this story. So it's full story. Everything comes back one way or the other. Tom... Uh, I got to write work with Ben on one and Tom with the other. I've been lucky. Yeah, I worked a lot with of, some good writers. A lot of real sliding door moments. And um, like you've talked about Dick, Dick Goriander, who's done The Phantom. Um, 
uh, Alex has done the Phantom and all that as well. So yeah, yeah it's 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 always yeah. interesting hearing those hearing the stories and about how it all kind of connects and yeah yeah and then alex i I met him at the one of those luncheons and everybody uh we all doodle a little something on a napkin or i mean on a placemat and we trade off with each other everybody gives one you know everybody gives something to each other that day when you go to these luncheons and uh, i've never met a phantom artist or or anybody in the phantom community who hasn't been anything but nice they've all been nice so nice to know because like I said, the last one I went to, people I met from uh, Norway and from Australia and from Sweden and Brazil, and and everyone was just they just like the Phantom and they just they just appreciate the effort that you put into it. I think, and that's really mm-hmm. that's a great thing for us to uh, to have as an artist, you know, to have people appreciate what you do and know that you you know you work hard at it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is wow. Well, yeah, I think uh, I think what happened with this one is Art Nichols uh, absconded and walked off uh, the book uh, somewhere along the line with some of the pages. Uh, so Art, if you're out there, send them back. But uh, <laughs> so Terry Palin, Terry had to ink some of these. That's why you see a little different style. Terry had to ink some of this off of Blue Lines because we didn't have the originals. I I still don't have all the originals to this. I don't think. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So that what was, was it like working with Moonstone? And how did you get the Moonstone? Uh, well, funny thing was, another artist, a friend of mine, said to me, "You know, Moonstone's looking. He was doing. I think he was going to work for them." And he said to, he lived in Staten Island as well. And he said, "You know, um, Moonstone was looking for a Phantom artist." I said, "Oh, gee, I like the Phantom. I, I always loved the Phantom." So I had done a couple of um, two, two or three page samples, just pinups, basically, not even, not even interiors. And I sent it out to Moonstone on the blind, and uh, he called me up and he said, yeah, "I like it. You know, uh, I'm going to have a sc- I'll have a script for you pretty soon." Like so, you know, you you hear that a lot from from editors. You know, we're going to have a script. We're going to have you this. I, I was promised everything from Batman to Captain Marvel at one time or another. But uh, but then about two weeks later, he called and said, "I got a script from Ben Robb, who was a hot writer at the time, writing the yeah. X Men," and uh, sent it along and. Uh, I said, okay, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to ink it as well. So I did, and he liked it. And then he, he did the second one, and and uh, he seems to like it. But then I think he changed his format a little bit. He went from forty-eight yes. pages to twenty pages, and I think he found a bunch of artists who were willing to work even maybe for a little bit less or a lot less or whatever. But I think he was looking to cut costs, and I think that's why I didn't do any more Moonstone stuff for him. Uh, then a couple of years later, the year a couple of years later, I think I had sent him a couple of cover ideas I had, and he bought a cover that he used as a, as a, uh, one of those what do you call them, uh, you know, variant covers. I think he used it, printed up. Yes, uh, yeah, that's the one, right? Yeah, hmm. yeah. And so that was uh, that was my friend. We had a softball game, and I needed a pose. I said to my friend, "Do me a favor, Ron, pose for this." And he posed. <laughs> that's I used him as the model for that. No, that's cool. <laughs> so, so he's not playing because he was in he, he was in good shape. I could have used him as a model more often. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that was uh, yeah. I I mean, any time I had a chance to do do um, the Phantom character, I I just I just loved it. And any time I had a chance to do a commission piece or anything, or I think I did some. Uh, Phantom cover things for you guys, for somebody out there, and um, um, I just like—I mean, I just—I get into it when I do this character. I don't know why. It's just something that uh, takes me back, and it's just the—he's uh, the, the the original superhero, so mm. he's pre—he predates Batman, I think, and Batman stole some mm. a lot of things from the Phantom, but Bob Kane stole mm. from everyone. <laughs> and, 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 um, and I met him. I met him years later. Years, I don't know. He was. It was as soon as the Batman movie was coming out in '89. I he he was at. A, I met him, and he see, there was a video screen that they show at the show, and they and he, he had a picture that Todd McFarlane drew of Batman, <laughs> and he goes, "This is the Batman that I drew for the movie," and uh, he was so full of himself. It was unbelievable. Uh, it wasn't his at all. It was Todd McFarlane. He put a Brian Boland Batman up. He said, "Here's one I did to show how I would do the head." 
And they're like, oh, God, this guy is so full of himself. But <laughs> I have heard stories about a, that. Yeah. Took a lot of the good things, he took a lot of good things from the Phantom and, and the Shadow and kind of mixed them together and, and said to Bill Finger, here, write this, do something with it. <laughs> so here's the other piece that you were talking about, which is the um, other one for the Bush. Oh, oh yeah. That was the Australia. The yes. Fires, yes. Yes, I was very happy with that because it it, it sold uh, for an auction, an auction piece, and it went to the fire uh, thing. And uh, I wanted to do something not heroic, or not you know, hitting somebody in the face or running down the street with the with devil. I just thought you know, show the show the sensitive side of the phantom and yeah. have him yeah. rescued. Wow. I was so was pleased nice. when you sent this through, Lou, because we, you know, conceived the idea of let's put this um, bushfire fundraiser book together and ask artists from around the world. And I think yours was just about the first one that came back to us. And, um, you know, and you and you knocked this out in only two or three days, I think, after we asked. It, was, it, it seemed really yeah. quite a bit of a week, but... Um, it was seeing this, and it's for, for those who aren't on YouTube, it's the image of the Phantom holding a koala while there's other koalas in burning trees around. Um, seeing you send this through sort of made the project real for us, or for, it did for me anyway, where you go, oh, wow, this is actually going to be a really powerful book. Oh. It was such a great image to come through and, and really kickstart and, and provide a lot of energy for the project. So, um, yeah, oh, can't thank you enough for sending that through. Thank you. Yeah, I... I, I uh... It was, I mean, it was a worthy cause for sure, and I'm glad I was able to contribute to it. But uh, I, I, and, and I think subsequently I've done a few fandom pieces since then that showed the sensitive side of him more. The other side, like you said, I, I like to do the bulky phantom that he's, you know, a strong, powerful, take no prisoners kind of guy in a way. But I also like to do that other side of him where you see, like you say, with the wife and the kids and and, uh, and things like that, you know, mm. and um, yeah, that was that was enjoyable to do. I mean, a, a terrible, terrible situation, but a, a great. Uh, at least I was able to help out a little bit. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but with all the money that was raised, with the artists selling the artwork, with the books that were being sold and all that, over twenty five thousand dollars was donated as well. Oh, that's so, terrific! Yeah, that's great. And was, I saw you guys sent me a copy of that, and there was some great pieces in there as well. I mean. I think every piece in there was really, really, you could tell people really gave their effort to it, I think, which was terrific. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was probably part of it. You know. Again, I always think back and I say to myself, you know, here's this, like I said, a guy who's hung out on street corners and when I was a kid growing up and, and, and none of us had much money and none of us had we all had just little groups of friends that we were together all the time. And if I sat, I used to sit on that corner with my friends and, and, and doodle. And, and, and I worked at my friend's father's grocery store and everybody left with a Spider-Man head on the bag because I would practice doodling and, you know, they'd go home with <laughs> the stupid paper bags full of uh, brown bags with drawing. And then you look back and it's, it's 20 or 30 years later. And you say, you know, I didn't have the greatest career in the world, but, it, but I had a, a, but I, I might have not been the greatest artist in the world, but I, I never, I, I always enjoyed it. I enjoyed it probably as much as anybody. And mm -hmm. I always felt that uh, I was lucky to be able at least now to, to talk to people like you and to just have any, you know, somebody in Japan or somebody in Australia appreciate the work. It, 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 when you sit back and think about it, when you're in a position that I was growing up, it's really uh, very rewarding, very, very, fulfilling for us for me anyway yeah you know and that's i see my a, I, i'm yeah. still friends i'm still friends with some of my old friends and i just lost one friend recently but uh even when i'd see them you know they say remember i always remembered you doodling and drawing this and i'm you know i lost two friends this year through covid but both of them were big supporters of me as far as you know always saying positive things about my work and stuff like that and they're proud they were they were as proud of it as i was which was very nice i thought Oh, that's, so. it's, it's such a it's such a great attitude to have as well. Hmm. Um, yeah. I was just wondering, could we talk a bit about the uh, the stories that um, uh, that appeared in the free comic? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, uh, Phil. Um, I, I had an idea. I, I that was the third moon. Originally, that would have been the third Moonstone book, and yeah. I, 
I wanted to start writing a few things myself. And I had, like I said, subsequently I've, I've written maybe four more since then uh, uh, that haven't been, two haven't been, uh, haven't been published. But um, I just had this idea. I wanted to get the full circle. I wanted to do something with World War II. And I, and because I liked that period and I, and I had, I had drawn young all-stars for DC, which was a world War two book. And, and some of the all-star squadron when I did, that was a world war two book. This was recolored also. It looks like, um, um, but, um, so I had this idea about doing this world war two story where you had this Nazi guy and his son grows up and you had the phantom's father who was in that period of time. And, now the phantom grows up and somehow these two characters intermingle for and uh, and at the end we find out that the uh, you know it, uh, it doesn't pay the whole grudges i guess is, is the moral of the story mm -hmm. but i did it all on spec uh, for, and and what happened was i think um it sat around and i had maybe sold a few pages i think of it on the internet and uh, or ebay or whatever and um it's just something I had taken my time with and, and just was enjoying it. And, and, I, and, and, um, I think Glenn saw it somewhere. Somebody saw, he saw, saw a few pages someplace and he, he asked me what I was doing with that. And I said, no, nothing. I said, is this kind of laying around? So he said, well, send it to me. Let me take a look at the whole thing. And I sent him the copy of it. And, um, he said, yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead and do it. So that's how I really did it. So I reworked some of it that would have been originally for the Moonstone project and, uh, and uh, came up with full circle. Mm. And, uh, so do you want to know? This is how... one of the ones. That... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so I'm not sure. I'll, I'll give you a bit more information, which um, probably would have been about, probably about five, 10 years before this got published. I brought something off you on eBay Yes. brought some original yes. artwork. You sent me a Xerox copy of the story and the script. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I was in touch with Glenn about when, you know, he started taking over the free, um, and ah. he was talking about doing some stories. And I said, oh, there's, you know, have you seen the story that Louis Manners done? So I, I, I can't remember. Ah, I so it was you. I sent him a scan or I told him about it, gave him a look at some of the photos and all that, and then he got in contact with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was you. <laughs> you did it. I appreciate it. Thank you. I remember that. Yes, you bought. I think you might have bought maybe this page. I don't remember. It was, I was, can't remember was, what I brought. I, it might have been this double page, even, I think so. Yeah, I don't think it was a page. I think it was actually a commission. Um, oh, okay, I've, I've got a couple you're right, of questions send... from you, and then yeah, you sent. Yes. and it's been. I've got. I've still got that copy of the of the script and the um the original Xerox uh of. Well, there, the there was no dialogue was with that. No, there was no dialogue. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, well, I, see, I, I, again, I had done, I, and I when I sometimes I work visually uh, when I'm writing. I I'm, I'm more visual writer than I am a technical writer, so. Um, sometimes I'll start with some one particular image and work either pre or post that way. Um, I think I started this book, believe it or not, with that double page of fighting the Nazis. And then, believe it or not, I think I worked the story oh, around fun. that. Yeah. yeah, I think that was the one, because I just wanted this big dramatic phantom piece. And I think because of that, and also in the back of my head, I had the the Nazi kind of angle going there with the sun. And that's kind of how I developed the story off of that. I'm, technically I'm not the greatest. Uh, I, I write how I think and, and the dialogue maybe comes out as being more uh, Brooklyn than anything else, but uh, I can't write any other way. I have to, I have to write visually and then throw the words and, and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, I think that's, but I thank you because, because of you, I, I this, this got to see print and, uh, Oh, I'll play this just a small part. It was mainly mainly you. No, and that me. was a big part it's because otherwise, part. You know, <laughs> what you tell what you just said is what I tell uh, new artists who ask me how do I break into the business, how do I do this. I said you never, never be afraid to show your work, and I always was, and I, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a pushy guy, and I think in this business you have to be a, a little bit more bolder and pushy, and I it's not my personality. I'm not that way. I'm, I'm, I'm. So I, I always tell the other people, because a lot of people who 
who have who could be really good artists sit on the stuff. They're afraid to show it. They're afraid to get it critiqued. And they and and they and I always tell them, if it's off, if you don't get it off your drawing board, nobody's ever going to see it, and nobody's ever going to know. And because of you, they, that he got to see this. I got I got to do I got to do the Phantom, you know, uh, for for them and uh, and and it helped me throughout the last twenty years. I think. So thank you so much. No worries. Um, well, this is a nice shot here of the Phantom reading. Yeah. Um, of uh, reading in the Chronicle yeah, Chamber. But we are a little bit partial to the Chronicle Chamber, aren't we, uh, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a, a tricky shot because I wanted them I didn't want him to hit the rocks, but I wanted him to see the rocks, so mm. uh. no, um it's What was the reaction over there in, for the color? Because I had known from, like you said, they really didn't do much color work before that. Was it a shock? Was it people like against it? Or because yeah, I never I got really much feedback. It, on that. it um, as I think Joe might have said earlier, um, Fru was still really trying to work out how to do colors. I think with this one, it would have been one of it was not the, the second. Third. It was second, the, yeah. So the first one was the Paul Ryan special, which was a daily story. Uh, yep. And yep. then there was this one. Um, it, it, again, sorry, you go, Dan. Uh, similar to what you were saying before about the moonstone, the the colours um, were quite dark on on a uh, a poorer quality paper, and so some yeah. of it, um, you know, it, it it certainly wasn't the best representation of your work, unfortunately. And um, so I think the the people responded to colour by going, "Oh, this isn't much good," but mostly that was to do with the paper quality rather than anything to do with the artwork. So um, yeah. that was that was a bit unfortunate. I think it was a bit of a it was still a bit of a shock to the system for a lot of Australian readers to have a a, a colour comic, and people are still trying to work. Well, they're still trying to work out now whether they like it or not. Two hundred two hundred odd issues later, they're still not sure. <laughs> are they doing more colour now? Or are they, they they're not. I do probably maybe five issues a year out of 30 issues yeah. um, in colour. And that's a lot of them are the Sunday stories. And then they do one or two um, uh, non-newspaper stories in colour. I think fans are, are get. I, I really like this shot, by the way. I think fans are getting a lot more used to it. Uh, I think Fru's mm -hmm. now having to, I think Fru's doing a better job in printing color on poorer paper um i think they've got that a little bit better sorted um and then of course they're doing the trade paperbacks um and graphic novels which is all color as well which is on glossier paper see i like it black and white if it's done right like i said if if that second issue was printed just in black and white i think people would have liked it better because I, you could see a lot of the line work and uh, when the colors are muddled, you lose the line work and then it becomes like a, it looks like a coloring book almost. And yeah. uh, you lose a lot of detail and, you know, it's not a representation of what, what, what's, what was put down initially. But, mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm looking at these and to me, they're, they're, they're a lot sharper uh, than they were originally printed. And this must be recolored as well. Maybe well, uh, and again, um, I didn't get much work after the second one, so I assume that didn't either a the fans didn't like it, b Glenn didn't like it, or c uh, all of the above. I mean, I've tried to work with them since then, and 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 uh, it just doesn't seem like uh, uh, that interested. I, I know at one point Glenn was leaving or wasn't was sick or something, and he uh, um, pushed me around to Dudley. I think is. And that that didn't seem to work out as well either. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a not a prejudice against American artists. I just think logistically it's hard because when I had to sign those two hundred copies or hundred copies of the signature series, you know, it's a lot of money postage to ship it to um, to me to sign and then to ship it back. You know, he's got to pay a couple of hundred dollars at that time. It was a lot to ship. Now it's even worse. I mean, I just yeah. I, when I sent. I think it was Dan. I think I sent it to you, right? I think yeah, it was. That's some um, these. Well, you paid it. Yeah, it was like seventy-two dollars or something. And I, uh, the, uh, I had 
I mean, it's, it's, it's a, the pricing of shipping is, and I, there's no other way of getting out of it. You can't, you ask the post office, well, how can you send it a different way? This is the only way we can send it. So I can assume now, how, if they're going to do that signature series, how the heck are they going to send it to me? It's going to cost them as much as it's going to cost them to pay me practically to do those pages than it is for me to, to ship it mm -hmm. back and forth. So I think that's a little bit logistical problem. I think if I was yeah. local, I might get more work from it. And the same thing here. The King Feature is a closed shop. There's only one guy working on it, basically. They don't have a lot of projects except the newspaper strip. They will license it out, I believe. I think I, I think I spoke to them years ago about licensing out a series of just hardcover, you know, quality graphic novel stuff. And they wanted, you know, the price was reasonable, I thought. But I don't know if they're doing that anymore. They got some. They got it with Hermes now. I guess it's doing hardcover things. And uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's any other. There certainly would be an appetite, from what I understand, amongst American fans for um, more locally produced content over in the states, though, because Hermes Press. Um, it's been a long time now. It'll be a couple of years since um, their their last um, original series came out. They're mostly just doing um, reprints of the of the newspaper strips, which are great yeah. quality, but are not the the new stories. Yeah. That they, uh, Alan, they saw the the new project. Uh, Pete and, and Jamie, Jamie especially, uh, brought it over to her, and she was excited about it. She liked it and said she'd like to use it. But I haven't heard anything since then. It's been, I guess, this was about the beginning of the pandemic. So they had mm. said that they weren't putting out anything right now because the market was terrible. And that they wanted to do it, but they wanted to, I guess, wait until the market got better. So it's a possibility that they might, they may want to pick it up, hopefully. Yeah. I wish I could tell you more about it, and, and maybe I could later on off, off the thing. No, that's, that's, but, that's uh, okay. We understand. Um, it, yeah, but... Uh, but it would be nice to see it out there and, and maybe it would generate some uh, interest in, in future work for me as well. So, I mean, let's face it, as a freelancer, you're always looking for the next job. And even though I'm kind of getting older now and slowing down a little bit, I still get a kick out of doing something, taking a fresh piece of paper and starting all over again and doing a mm. book or doing a, a script or, or breaking something down. Uh, you know, it's, it's enjoyable to me. I, I, I started to do these these. Uh, covers, you know, I took the old Phantom logos, and I don't know if you can see it. I don't think you can see it that well. But I started taking the Phantom logos and and working up different different covers. Oh wow! Just with the logo. Uh, I'm sorry, you can't see. It. I, I don't know if there's any way I can show it better. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just wanted to use these logos. I got a, I got a kick with the logos one day, so I said eh, I'm going to try a bunch of different cover ideas with with the logos, just the different logos. So again, I think uh, that one, this one's not quite done yet, but uh, you know, I'm just, just, I, I like the, I like the different, he had so many nice logos. I wanted to, mm. I wanted to play around with them. So, you know. so how many of those have you got at the moment? I think I did about five so far. And I, I found there's so many logos. I mean, I, my favorite one, I think is the, is the, uh, the original the king features one the first one with the painted stuff i think uh, I, i'm pulling them off as i see them on the internet and, and re, re, recreating them a bit but i'm having fun with those and and you know i do a few commission pieces here and there so some stuff i think this one we've seen recently someplace i've noticed that you've been putting a, a few of your pages and stuff on ebay and all that as well yeah, I don't, I, again, I, there's no market for me to sell it. I, it's funny because I see a lot of stuff sold for the Phantom throughout the world, and you guys have been very supportive over the years for me, for sure. But it seems like a lot of the stuff I put up there, and I think, well, you know, it'll. It, and I'm not asking for a tremendous amount of money for these things, I don't think, compared to some people. I mean, I've seen a Frank Miller, basically must have took a, 30 seconds to do a Frank Miller sketch and you know, they're charging seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. I mean, look, I know it's Frank Miller. I know he's, you know, Frank Miller, but it comes a point where it's a little bit kind of, you know, yeah, you the quality is not there in some of those. I don't know the word, I'm looking for, but 
how much you're going to take out of somebody. I mean, I, I, I do it for the love of it. I love to do it. But again, it's a business and you want to get paid for it. So I try to keep the prices where I can sell them quicker for less money. But but I feel like it's the value and it, there's value there. But uh, it seems like uh, I also know sometimes the, the cheaper you sell stuff, people don't think it's worth as much. So you have to be careful on that as well. They, you know, I remember as a, years ago, somebody did a, a painting for somebody and they said they charged a thousand dollars. I'm like, for that thing. And, and the person hung it up on their living room thing and put a lamp underneath it, you know, had the light. And, you know, if somebody else had done that same picture and said, give me a hundred bucks, they probably would have threw it behind the couch and never, <laughs> never yeah. bothered to put it up. Sometimes people want us brag how much they spent for something, you know, mm. uh, but the prices of original art is going crazy these days. I mean, I see some of these prices and I, I can't believe it. I've, I've seen pieces that sold from almost somebody just sold a piece that long ago for a million dollars. I mean, some stuff in the early 60s that is selling for thousands and thousands of dollars. I bet you those artists didn't get more than $40 a page. Yeah. You know, I remember talking, guy. I remember talking to Alex uh, Soviet and he was saying that some of the original papers they used to use as tip money or to put underneath the leaking, the leaking uh, roof and yeah. stuff like that to soak up the water. And I, I bought Gil Kane. Uh, Bill Gil Kane, Murphy Anderson, Wally Wood, Bernie Rice, and pages in the in the late sixties, early maybe you think for three dollars a page. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, I could have probably paid off my house if I had kept them because I gave them to a guy, a friend of mine who skipped town, and never paid me for them. But uh, but um, the prices. I mean, I I want the artists should make what they can make, and and everybody wants to make a good living. I get it. I I do too. Everyone does, but. Uh, I think there's a little bit of price, price gouging nowadays. I think it's not not fair to the collector. You know, a guy wants to buy a piece of artwork, so you spend a few hundred dollars. Okay, nobody's hurt, and 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 it's, you get the artist is getting paid for it, and, and and the other people are getting some quality stuff for a good price that they could show. But I think when you get to those high price stuff, it's kind of dangerous. I think it's going to price yeah. a lot of guys out of the collector market. So what we'll do is, if you're listening to this or watching this, we'll um, put your eBay uh, account on the show notes. So if people Thank want you. to have a look at some of the art that you've got up there, I've I remember looking at it uh, that you've got a uh, a Sunday strip recreation from memory. Oh yeah, yeah, I did a commission. Yeah, I did a commission for someone who wanted a Sunday strip, and they gave me what they wanted, and then I liked the idea, so I did another one. Um, I I just think I did the origin, uh, uh, six or seven panel origin, and I liked it. I like doing those kind of things. And uh, a Sunday, doing a Sunday strip is a little different than doing a regular one because you're confined to this little box, and you got to kind of get everything in there. But it's a good exercise. I enjoy doing it, and uh, um, I think I finally put a few pieces up. Uh, I think uh, people have asked about the Moonstone stuff. They wanted that, and I've been reluctant to put it up. I don't know why. I just I'd like to hold on to things, but uh, I guess it's the collector part of me. I've been collecting comics for 60 years, but, um, but I got rid of some, but, um, but I finally put a few pieces up and again, I thought maybe, you know, they, they published stuff. They should sell in a reasonably priced, but they, they're not, uh, it's just the way it goes, you know, uh, but uh, hopefully they will, you know, but the whole book. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to let the book go at the time. And I think, uh, you know, as I get a little bit older now, I, I, I mean, I brought my grandchildren up here one day and I said to one of the guys, uh, well, you know, when I die, this is going to be all yours. So, you know, what are you going to do with it? And 10 seconds later, he said, I'm just going to sell it. So <laughs> there's no sentimental value there. So I might as well worry about selling it myself. <laughs> so, you know, the other guy said, I'll keep it. Oh, so he gets it then. <laughs> yes. No, Grandpa, I'll keep a piece. The other guy said, I'll sell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'll give it to the one that would say they'll keep it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lou, you've said a number of times about, um, you know, you, that you really like the, the Phantom character. And I think even on your website, you say that um, the Phantom is one of your favorite characters. Can you tell us a little bit about when you first started reading the Phantom? And uh, like, was it through the the dailies and the Sundays as a kid or? Uh... Yes, because there was no, um, 
like I said, I think I read. The, I used to read the the Phantom. And Dick Tracy was another one that was in the papers every day. Uh, um, anybody, anybody that had a superhero type thing, or, or, or but the Phantom always appealed to me. I, I don't know what what it was. The, the eyes, the, the the costume, and then of course I think around sixty. I don't know if it was sixty three or sixty four. The gold key stuff started yeah. coming out, and yeah. I think that's what really attracted me to the character i love those covers that one mm. where he's going down the ski slope or going down a snow mountain whatever snow hill and he's you know and yeah. and the first uh, yeah. i think the first one was good too but all those covers were great but there was a couple that really stood out that was one of the ones that stood out to me the one where he's run, uh, he's chained i think to the to a post and he's uh, pu pushing something i think or the fire i think it's I don't remember off the top of my head, but there was a few. And yeah. again, I wasn't used to seeing paintings. I mean, now it's pretty common that you see comic books painted all over the place and um, some really, really good stuff. But back then it wasn't, a, you know, it really wasn't. I mean, you're talking about the, the mid sixties. There weren't really nothing. Gold key had the, you know, the, the Boris Karloff stuff mm -hmm. and, and uh, twilight zone. Maybe they painted some of those covers and then Torok was painted, but the, but the Phantom was a superhero, so it looked, you know, it was like watching a real person, and I think mm. that was the attraction. And again, I love the four hundred year history. To me, as a as a as an illustrator, you say, "Boy, this is great." I mean, I think when Don Newton did it, he had him in the colonial times, and then they had him yes. in the the forties and the third, uh, the Casablanca, and it really lent itself well to the character. And I think that's one of the appeals I had. I, mm. It's a character that you can. You felt like I feel like drawing a, a you know, a Spanish a, a civil, a whatever Spanish setting. You could put him in Spain. You could put him in thing. One of the ones I had, I wanted to put him in New York, like a Tarzan's New York Adventure. You know, you take a fish out of water and put him in New York, and have him, you know, run around the city. I think Phantom they did it in the movie, right? I think, yeah. and it was it was a good idea, but I think you could expand on that even more, and. Uh, Although he's you know he's he's educated in America and, and things like that, but I think there's so many different variations you could do with the character. I mean, DC did a nice job with him. Um, Moonstone did a nice job with him. I think for the most part. I mean, uh, you know, there's this there's so much to the character. He's got a he's got another he's got a lot of depth to him. And most characters, you know, from the golden age have that. You know, they have Superman, Batman, those characters. They have that depth. And Phantom is right there with him. In America, it's a shame because I don't think he gets as much recognition as he does overseas. I think overseas he's appreciated for what it is, a great character. Over here, I don't know. I don't think he gets the... Uh, uh, I know I'm, I had a comic book store way back in the 80s, and I know when DC had the character, there was some good stuff. I know Luke did some great work with the Phantom, I thought. Nice, yeah. nice style. And uh, it didn't sell well at all. And then uh, Joe Orlando did the the pre one on that. And Joe has been around a hundred years. Joe, I Joe and I worked together on some Swamp Thing designs, uh, t-shirt designs years years later. But um, it never got it never caught on here. And even the the what was the one that the guy did for Marvel? He looked like Brian Boland style. I think he was an Australian artist. Glenn was it Glenn? Yeah, Glenn Lumsden. That was the yeah the twenty second fan. I thought he, I thought he did a, yeah, I thought he did a really good job with the character. I thought he made him look good, and uh, I don't think that sold well either here. I don't know how it did overseas, but over here yeah. it didn't sell well. And I thought he gets he gets he, the newspaper strips nowadays. Kids don't read newspaper strips. They don't even buy the paper. I mean, over here they don't. He said the Sunday paper in, in my my local paper, and I think um, people aren't buying the Sunday paper anymore because it's like four or five dollars for a copy of, of the paper that has about twenty pages in it. So, hmm. yeah, I, I think Moonstone's Moonstone and the Gold Key Charlton King issues were probably the most successful. Yeah, um, I, I love the, know, Don, the. I thought the Don. Summers, I thought. I thought Newton did a great job with him too, yeah. because he had that yeah. golden age look. He had that early thirties, forties look to him, mm. and I just thought he, you know. But Don was terrific. He was a great Batman artist as well, Captain Marvel artist. But I thought he captured the Phantom as good as good as you could do it to, to bridge the gap from the thirties, forties, fifties 
yeah. to size stuff from the 60s on up. I thought, really, those two guys. It's a shame he didn't do more of them, but he got popular through the Phantom and wound up yes. doing the DC work. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I think it was uh, Dick Goriander again. Um was the editor over yeah. at Charlton, and then he yeah. went over to DC, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Dick was a great guy. I mean, Dick Dick was the, was was the backbone, I think, of DC. Him and Paul Levitz and Jeanette, they really took that company to new heights. I know. I I had a I I had a more pleasure working for them than I did at Marvel, and I only did a few jobs for Marvel because I was happier with DC stuff, and I was getting. So sort of enough work to keep myself busy. And I <clears throat> I would meet Dick once in a while every month. We'd go out for lunch and and uh, and talk about a lot of things besides comics. And, and uh, he was just a nice man, uh, really talented guy. He inked a few pieces of my stuff. And he had that knack for making your work look like your work, but only better. He, 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 mm. he, he can really mm. take somebody's drawing, keep what you put there, but made it, made it, that much better and he's one of those few guys who could do it and it was a great personality to me i mean i i really I had a good good four or five years where i i um, would go up almost every month and and if i got work i didn't get work whatever it was but we still would go for lunch and, and things like that and and he tried to get me other jobs you know i, I mean at one point i was going to do captain marvel before don and that fell through and then there was um Challenges of the unknown. There was uh, uh, quite a few things he was pushing me for. But, you know, editors are funny. You know, they have their own people. They have people that they want to use and their mm -hmm. friends and they're, they're comfortable with. So it's a tough thing to break through, you know. <clears throat> I When Roy Thomas called me up and said, what are you working on? I said, uh, nothing. You want to do Infinity Incorporated? I said, oh, like, like I couldn't believe it. It was like Roy Thomas from Marvel called me. And uh, we did that, and then they, he said, well, "I'm going to put you on Young All Stars instead." And, and uh, okay, great, that's terrific. And uh, I did the I, as I was drawing the first few pages of that book, he called up and said, "Yeah, they just canceled the book. We're going to do four issues, and then it's canceled." So it's like having a TV show, and you you know you're only going to do four episodes, and they're going to cancel your show. But you know, he he got tired of working at DC because uh, they had taken away his. Um, his characters they went to that crisis period where they wiped away a lot of his uh, continuity mm. <clears throat> so that was my uh, misfortune you know to, yeah. to not work more with them yeah. <clears throat> so am i talking too much no no, no. it's 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 amazing um like mm. I, I, don't, I don't know about dan i'm not a huge non-phantom comics fan but i know the names i know you know and, and stuff like that and it's interesting listening and i know all our listeners uh enjoy it as well because there's a lot more knowledgeable uh comic fans than, than us and um we always you know get comments about how they enjoy when when creators talk about their non-phantom work just as much because it um it, you know, it, it is. It's, it's listening. I enjoy listening to all the sliding door moments of you know of what could have happened, what yeah. almost happened, what didn't happen, and um, yeah, it's it's really it's really enjoyable. Um, I've really enjoyed. Yeah, that I, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping at one point in time, I, I had the third one I had done for Moon, uh, for few was a story where Phantom Son, you know, is trying to break in to become the Phantom of the future, and he's you know, he's going through some trials and stuff like that. <clears throat> and they, <clears throat> he liked it. Glenn wanted to use it, but then he thought it was too close right at the time they were coming out with Kid Phantom. Oh, so yeah. he said, well, we can't have Kid Phantom and have this, and, and so we're going to hold off on this. But it's, again, it's a 48-pager that's... Uh, is it 48 What What is this? What did they use? 36, I think it is? 36, yeah. Yeah, so it's 72 pages. It's done as well. And hopefully, maybe someday they'll come back mm. to, to using some of this stuff. It's it's a, you know, it, it's the kind of stuff I just like to get it out there. I, I I'm yeah. not even that concerned about how much I get for a page or how much I don't get for a page. I just like to get it out there. You know, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's a shame sometimes. And then after you're dead, they'll go, "Hey, I found these three stories from uh, Lou Manor. Let's use them." Uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, it's yeah. possible. Hey, it's not too. But the part about that was uh, subsequently, I feel like every time I did the next Phantom thing, it got a little bit better. Mm. I knew the character a little bit more. I still can't draw the gun belt right to save my life, but okay. 
I'm getting there. But um, <laughs> I just felt like each time, I, even though this, the commission pieces I do or these pieces I put up, I feel like they're better than some of the stuff mm -hmm. I had done that was printed already. So I feel like that's, you know, it, it takes you sometimes two or three issues yes. to get up and running. You, you know, no matter how much you can sit down and draw something, you got to get into a flow of it. You have to get the character nuances down. And, and that takes time. It does, you just don't do it all automatically. It's, it take, so I think I'm starting to hit a little bit of a stride when I stopped. You know, mm -hmm. I think as I was getting, if you look, and if you look at other artists too, and they look at their early issues of books, it's, if, and you go back six months later, you see the progression uh, of each issue and they get better and better at it. And I think that only happens when you're a steady artist. And, and uh, initially when Glenn and I spoke, I, one of the things I had said was, look, I, I don't care about the money as much. I just want to do two or three of these a year. If I could do mm -hmm. two or three of these a year, I, I'll, I'll be happy. And again, I'll work with you with as far as the payment goes, the money goes. I don't, I'm, uh, I'm not holding a gun to anybody's head. I just like to do it. And, um, um, like I said, I, I worked a couple of years doing as many as I could, but then when they weren't buying them, it, I had to stop because I had to, I had to make a living still. So, yes, <clears throat> but they're there. So make sure they'll see, they'll about, see um, well, one, once you've done the drawing, when you, once you finish the story, um, you just want people to be able to see it. So, yeah, exactly. I, I, again, it's, yeah. there's some guys in this business who, you know, it's just, it's all about, it's all about the money and, you know, they get a little bit of recognition, a little bit of fame, and some of it goes to their heads. And I've seen it happen many, many times where guys who are, you know, middle of the road talent, I'd say. You know, that's, I mean, the super, superstars, I find them mostly fairly nice guys. You find some middle of the road guys who get a little bit of fame, and sometimes it goes to their head, and they're starting to, you know, they're taking commissions, and five years later, they still haven't. The person hasn't gotten it yet. I, I don't. I don't understand that. I just don't understand it. Uh, you know, you, you can make a commitment to somebody, you get the work done. I, I to this day, I, I probably work faster than most <clears throat> because I, I'll take a job and I'll, I'll sit with it till it's done. I won't go to the beach or I won't go to, the, you know, here or there. I'll, I'll run my errands, but I'll, I focus on that particular job. <clears throat> I just did a, something for a phantom for somebody's sketchbook. And, I, I, you know, while he was sending me the book, he wanted it in his book. You know, I was I was toying with ideas of what I wanted to put down. So when it came time to do the actual piece, when he sent me the book, I already had it all worked out. Yeah. And all I had to do was redraw it because, you know, I didn't sit on it and go, ah, well, I, I'll get to it when I get to it. I just, And I always find that I can get more work done that way because I stay ahead of the project. So if something comes in that needs to be done quickly, I'm not bogged down. I, I never really missed the deadline all these years because I had the discipline to do it. You need that discipline. And I think uh, that's important in this business to stay alive in this business. All these years, you have to have a track record, at least being able to deliver the work. Mm. And uh, so, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's, um, that's a really positive thing for anyone, obviously who wants to uh, hit you up for a commission. We'll make sure that your contact details are, um, as Jim said, with the with the eBay link in the show notes, but we'll make sure that um, people know how to get in touch with you as well, because um, you know a lot of people do like your, the the phantom work you do, and and certainly commissions are um, you know lots of people are, st are still looking for those these days, so. especially with Christmas uh, coming up. Yeah, Christmas <laughs> coming up. I got two grandchildren. Give, give, oh, no, give the no, give no, the no, link no, to no, your uh, significant other and uh, get them to uh, get you. You'll get it by before Christmas because I have two grandchildren that had no no limits to what they get for Christmas. They last year I had to go crazy finding one a PlayStation and one a Xbox. <laughs> and I I, don't, I I thank God for eBay because I must have paid them nose yeah. to get them. But but uh, this year not so bad so far. But I'm sure I'll get hit up. But it's okay. <laughs> That's what they they're there to take my money. <laughs> yeah, speaking of children who are there to take our money, I've actually got to take head off yes. to send to take mine to work. So she's thankfully earning her own coin. But um, look, Lou, thank you so much for your for your time this morning, or morning for us this evening for you. Um, it's been really great to to have a chat to someone who's been. Um, in and around the Phantom world for many decades now. And um, yeah, it's great, yeah. great to finally be able to chat with you and, and share some of your story with our listeners. Well, thank you both. For, I appreciate it for having me and thank you for both supporting me all this time, all these years. And, and, uh, and uh, I just really appreciate it. And, uh, 
And hopefully we can do this again sometime. And hopefully I'll show some other phantom stuff eventually out there. That'd be fantastic. Thank Let, you. Let's commit to uh, when you when through to publish your next story. We'll make sure we get you back on and we'll uh, we'll talk through it. I'm gonna have him. He's gonna have to show a copy of that. You're gonna have to. Uh, you'll have. I need my agent over here to help me out again. <laughs> what are you seeing? What are you seeing, Glenn? Again? No. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll send we'll send Glenn the link of the podcast. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, well, good on you. Thank Thanks you so much, Lou. And um, as as we always say, if you want to if you if you want to find out uh, more about what Lou's doing or what's going on in the Phantom World, make sure you see our website, uh, chroniclechamber.com. Uh, you can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. And of course, um, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify on YouTube, um, all of the places where you can listen to this podcast. So um, thanks again, Jermaine, for joining us today. And, and Lou from New York, really appreciate your time. And um, until next time. Have a happy holiday. Okay, guys, take care. Have a happy holiday. Take care, guys. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. Enemies beware, the phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds.